Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. I'm in the doorway, and all of a sudden, I stop. And there's this feeling that comes on to me, and it's so strong that it stops me where I am, and it tells me, Brian, you are supposed to be someplace else. I invited her out to a show because that's my gimmick. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no conversation, but if I'm standing on stage, I look like somebody, right? Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hinkin. And I'm Laura Wexler. And this week on the podcast, this wasn't the plan. Two gents getting into sticky situations with their ladies. So this first storyteller, Brian Jollis, he um, shared this story at our real-life rom-com show. It's a very, very sweet story uh, about um, his proposal to his wife. So take a listen. It's 1985. I'm a few years out of college, and I'm getting ready to go out with my friends. It's a Saturday night, and we do what we typically do. We're heading out to the bars, and I'm in the doorway, and all of a sudden, I stop. And there's this feeling that comes on to me, and it's so strong that it stops me where I am, and it tells me, Brian, you are supposed to be someplace else. Now, the week before, I got this postcard. And it's inviting me to a singles dance at the Sheraton Grand Ballroom in D.C. And I quickly tore it up and threw it away because I knew what it was. And I had no reason to go to a place where a lot of women looking to get married. I, I was nowhere near thinking about, uh, about this. And so there I'm in the doorway in this moment. And all of a sudden, that feeling is so strong and I realize I'm supposed to be there. So I tell my friends, you guys go ahead. And 40 minutes later, I'm walking into the Grand Ballroom of the Sheraton Hotel. And I walk through the door, and there's masses of people. And I see a stairway to my left. And there's a, there's a balcony, and I climb the stairs, and I'm at the balcony. And in about a minute, I'm looking out into a, 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 a thousand people, and they are somewhere in the middle of the room. I see this girl, and I get this feeling, because she's just sort of, she's just sort of uh, you know, talking to her friends, and she's just so free and so, so natural. And all around her is just craziness. And I zoom in, and I'm, I'm feeling this same voice. And it says, Brian, this is why you're here. So I'm down the stairs. It's a direct route right to her. And as I start to see her, I realize that she's got very little makeup. And she just got this natural beauty. And now I'm closer, and I see her eyes. And they're almond-shaped, and they're green. And as I approach her, I say, I'm Brian, and, and we meet. And she says her name is Lisa. And I see this little smile. And then her eyes brighten. And I'm just, all of a sudden, I'm hooked in. And it's an hour and a half. And it's just as if there's nobody else in the ballroom. And then it's the last dance. And it's the first dance I ask her to dance. And we're on the dance floor, and they're playing this song. And it's evergreen. And if you guys have never heard of that song, back in the 80s, that's a love song. And, we're, and I'm sitting there, and I have my arms around her. And I'm thinking, this girl, you know, she's special. And so then we're dating. And first I meet her friends, and she meets my friends. And then her family, and she meets my family. And I'm realizing that everyone she meets, this girl sees the good in everyone. And I'm realizing that she's not only beautiful on the outside, she's beautiful on the inside. And over the course of that year, I realize I, I'm in love. And I've got the ring, and I have the plan, and I know exactly how I'm going to ask her to marry me. And uh, it's about a year later, and we have an apartment, and I arrive home early that night. 
And when I come through the door, Lisa's still at work. The phone's ringing. And it's three rings when I pick it up. And it's my, one of my best friends that is here tonight. It's Mitchell, right here in the audience tonight. And Mitchell's calling me, and he says, Brian, what's up? And I share with Mitchell that this is the weekend I'm going to ask Lisa to marry me. And I, and I give all the details. He knows we're going to Williamsburg. He knows about the ring. He's got the whole plan. But what I didn't realize is after three rings, the answer machine picked up. And Mitchell knew the whole plan. But you know who else knew the whole plan? Lisa. I go out for errands. Lisa comes home a little while later. And she sees the yellow light beeping on the answer machine. And Lisa never, ever checks the messages. But this night, she presses that button. And she knows everything. So I share with Lisa, when, she, when she, I come home later, we're having this conversation, and I remind her, they have this special surprise weekend. And so now she says, where are we going? I said, I'm not going to tell you, it wouldn't be a surprise. Well, what, what will I wear? What will I pack? And I said, just take a nice dress, because we're probably going to go someplace nice for dinner. And also, maybe some warm clothes and some walking shoes. And so now we're in Williamsburg, and we're actually about two miles outside of Williamsburg. We're in the, we're in the motor lodge. Now, I'm just kind of getting started. It's what I could afford. I think a lot of you might understand that. Um, But I did splurge for reservations at the Regency Dining Room. It's in the Williamsburg Inn. Now, that's a five-star hotel and restaurant right in the heart of Williamsburg. So we are all around Williamsburg that day. We show up early at the restaurant. Lisa is beautiful in her dress. And I ask her to wait while I find the maitre d' because I have to share this intricate plan that I have. And when I find the maitre d', I apologize in advance for my French. But the maitre d', I'm sharing the story, and I'm two lines in, and he goes, no, 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 monsieur. That's not how you say it, but that's okay. Monsieur. <laughs> it's going to be like this, a silver, a silver tray, the diamond ring, a rose and a rose, and then the silver dome. And when the waiter pulls that top off the thing, magnifico. That's Italian, I believe, right? Okay. <laughs> this waiter had all kinds of languages. Anyway. So I give in real quick it's for two reasons. One, because I'm not going to win against this maitre d'. And secondly, is I'm so nervous. that I just want to get that ring on Lisa's finger and spend the rest of my life with this woman. So now we're being, Lisa's you know, brought in and we're walked into the dining room and I see the magnificent chandeliers and everyone's enjoying dinner. And there's our table. And there's this beautiful tablecloth and nice dishes and crystal and silver and flowers and candles and everything. And it's just perfect. And just beyond the table, there's a harpist right on the edge of the dance floor. And she's playing some soft music. And the maitre d' pulls Lisa's chair out and says, Madame, and then points to my chair, Monsieur. And we sit down. (laughs) Now I have no idea what language that was. That was Greek. (laughs) So we're sitting there having this this conversation. And Lisa shares with me she's got a little bit of a headache. And uh, the the incense, sort of like potpourri, the, the smells around Williamsburg that time of year, have given her this headache. And so she pulls an aspirin from her purse. She takes the aspirin. And then the waiter shows up, and he pours the wine. And he asks us for our order. And Lisa orders the flounder amadine. And I order, what did I order, Lisa? What kind of steak? Strip steak. OK. That might be the first thing I, I'm not telling that's truthful here. It was a, it was a New, York, New York strip. That's what it was. So the waiter leaves. And Lisa, between the wine and the aspirin, and, the, and the, the potpourri, and all the smells, it's now turned into a full migraine headache. Okay, and then here comes, and, and I look at her, and she's a little pale, but before we have any kind of a conversation, here comes the waiter, and he lays down the appetizer plate, and he lifts the lid, 
and Lisa is locked onto the diamond ring. And I'm prepared to deliver the most important words of my life. Will you marry me? But my lips are tight because I'm looking at Lisa and I don't get the smile that I was expecting. I get this, this look of sort of, of, of just fear or, or panic, you know, just in her face. And she grabs the ring and she pushes back in the chair. She's on her feet. She's on the dance floor. And now she's moving towards the exit. And I'm just sitting there in shock. Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting there in shock. And, uh, and I'm looking around. The, the harpist is playing music still. Otherwise, you're going to hear a pin drop. And when I look back up, she's now in full run. And she's out the door and she's gone. And I look back. And at this time, the waiter shows back up and he's serving the flounder Amadine. He's carving at tableside. And he serves me the New York Strip. And I'm sitting there looking at the New York Strip. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it. You know, I'm definitely... Just not sure what's going on. I look right and I look left and I see people putting down their forks and their, and their knives. And I'm sure they see this couple and they realize this is that magic moment. And now they're very much involved in our, our drama. You know, so so I, I then realize, I compose myself and I realize I better go find her. So I'm up on my feet and here comes the maitre d'. And he says, and as I start to walk away, he goes, Mansoor, Mansoor. I think I'm getting better at that. Anyway, he says, uh, is everything okay? And I said, no, it's not okay. I said, she's, she's gone, and she's, and, she's taken, and she's left, and I don't know if she's coming back, and I'm literally losing it. And, and he says, Monsieur, calm down. And I said, no, just, just pack everything up. And, I, 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 and he goes, listen, no, 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 no. He goes, you meet me at the door. I get a silver tray. I take the fine china and the silver and the crystal and the candles and the flowers and everything. I wrap it up. I meet you at the door, and you take it with you. And tomorrow, I'll pick it up outside of your room. So amazing. And so I grab the tray, and I'm out in the parking lot, and there's Lisa, and she's bent over. And she's obviously had gotten sick. And I take the tray and I put it on the hood of the car. And I'm massaging Lisa's shoulders. And I wipe the hair to the side of her head. And then she turns and she says, I can't believe this. I said, I, I, I love you. And it's yes, but I, I've ruined everything. And I said, Lisa, it's okay. She says, it's not okay. And I said, it's fine. And she goes, it's not fine. And I said, Lisa, someday this is going to be a great story. <laughs> now the maitre d'. He does not show up at the Williamsburg Inn that morning. He shows up two miles down the road at the motor lodge, and he picks up the tray and the china and the crystal. And Lisa doesn't tell me that she has this secret that she's kept for two years. And then she finally tells me. And as for me, it's 34 years later, and I'm standing on this stage sharing my story with you. And all I can say is, mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah, that's um, his wife had a migraine, so you can relate oh to that. Oh, my God, a fellow migraine <laughs> sufferer. I absolutely, as he was telling the story, I just could picture that, how uncomfortable she must have been. Like, like how you get the oh, headache and then the throw yeah. up and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, fun fact, they are still married and they uh, co-own their company together. Do so. we know if she still gets migraines? I you know what? I never asked that. Yeah. I would imagine if you work together with your husband. Yeah. I feel like we should do a show on headaches because I feel like people have stories about that. Um, Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. Well, in this next story, 
the gal uh, does not have a headache, but nonetheless, she ends up in similar situation to Brian Jolly's wife. So I did not realize when I put these two together that they both involved vomiting. Um, but take a listen. It's a real different kind of story. From Kelly Bell. So I'm going to tell you about the woes of being in a working band. For those of you who don't know what a working band is, can you hear me all right? I got a big ass mouth. All right. So a working band is a band that has a day job. I am a licensed certified social worker. I work with kids with emotional difficulties. I have been in the mental health field for none of your business years. (laughs) And I happen to be a professional wrestler, and I'm in a band. We play what's called fat blues music, and people ask me all the time what that is. If you could imagine... Muddy Waters wearing a Bob Molly t-shirt riding on Black Sabbath tour bus on the way to a Parliament Funkadella concert, listening to a James Brown A-track tape, humming a run DMZ song with a Nighthawks ball cap on, all in the glory of Bo Diddley. With just a hint of B.B. King, that would be merely close to what we do. But the crazy thing about that is people forget that you're a real person. I'm just a real person. So, in the working band thing... I go to work on a Friday, and I'm playing a big festival down downtown Baltimore, Power Plant Live. So there's going to be a lot of people there. I got to take off my Mr. Bell hat, and I got to be Kelly Bell. Okay. So I come down there, and I'm dating a young lady. We had just been dating for a little bit, and uh, she was fine. So... <laughs> I invited her out to a show because that's my gimmick. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no conversation, but if I'm standing on stage, I look like somebody, right? (laughs) So I asked her to come to the show. She comes to the show. She meets up with three different groups of friends. This is in a bar. Three groups of friends. So she got friends here, here, and there. And you know what's going to happen when you got three sets of friends in a bar, right? They're going to buy you drinks. Like that. <laughs> so you know this story. No. Uh, so the crazy thing is, I get on stage. Before I get on stage, I give her a kiss. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, I'll see you right after the show. We're headlining, so, you know, I'm going to be up. I'm going to be busy for the next couple of hours. I come down. She walks up to me, and she says, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. She's looking at me like, a deer in the headlights, or she's looking like a woman with the, you know, at the wine festival that's got the red stain on her, on her shirt. You know who, some of y'all know because it's you. <laughs> some of y'all know. So now I am no longer riding in the bus with the band. I am driving her car home from downtown after I worked nine hours at my job dealing with them And now I've been on stage and I've been dealing with drunks all night. And now I got to take one back to my house. (laughs) Everybody has been in that situation before, right? Not quite like this, you have it. First of all, she couldn't find a damn garage. We went to five different garages. I remind you, I work two jobs. It is the middle of the night and I have to be up at 830 in the morning because we are playing three shows in three states. So I need some sleep. So we get, we finally figure out what 
what garage that, that she had parked her car in. And I want you to see this. So she, she said, hands me her keys, and I walk up to a red 1992 Honda Civic. You can laugh. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm 6'3", 300 pounds. I ain't got no damn business being in a Honda Civic. So I am now in a Honda Civic with my legs pinched all the way up to here. It's a stick shift. And I look her in the face and I went, we got 27 and a half minutes. Or something bad is going to (laughs) happen. So here we go. Now I'm heading up 83, and I'm, like, locked in like this. And, I mean, I'm locked in like, well, like you would be if I was sitting out there with you. You know how it is. <laughs> right now you got your armrest. If my big ass was over there, you wouldn't have one. Just because I take up space like that. That guy's looking at me like he's like, I thank God I didn't ride in my last airplane with you. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, and she's right next to She's a very petite woman. So she's sitting here. And we're flying up 83 because I got 27 and a half minutes before something bad happens. I know this already. So I'm in the car, man. I'm doing, no cops in here, right? 90 miles an hour in a go-kart. <laughs> I've squeezed myself in here and I look like a can of Negro. So I don't know how the hell I'm going to get myself out of here, but I'm driving, and she gives, that, she gives that face that, you know, we've all seen before from a friend when we ended up holding their hair at the end of the night. Yeah. She gave me that. And I'm like, hold on, baby. Just hold on. We, you know, we're getting there. Just stay with me. Stay with me. She said, she, I, I got to roll the window down. So she rolls the window down. And she starts hanging out the window. Hanging so far out the window, I'm worried she's going to fall out the damn window. Mind you, I'm still going up 83. It's raining. It's freezing. The window's down, and I'm driving like a maniac. I'm now holding her belt, but just to make sure she doesn't fall out the damn car. So she comes back in. I'm thinking, okay, we're good. I'm st- now I can crank it up and I can really get us there because now we're down to about 19 minutes. All right? So she, she looks over at me and she starts to give me again. She rolls the window down, except she doesn't roll the window down all the way. So she does a thing where I'm driving. She doesn't roll the window down all the way. And I just want you to envision... I am now driving, and all of a sudden, blink, 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 it's in my hair. It's up. No, y'all don't. You're not. You're not. Let me give you the visual. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the visual right there, man. So I'm doing all of this. I'm taking my sweatshirt. I'm wiping the inside of just so I can see where I'm going. So we get all the way up the highway. We get off of my exit. 
I pull up to the light. I, I, I really just want to cry <laughs> at this point. I'm exhausted. I don't know what to say to her. She's calling me every name in the book. Because, and she, doesn't, she didn't remember any of this, but I don't know, alcohol added muscles for some reason. And up comes this guy, and I'm going to ask you to buy into a stereotype. So I want you to think of the most Carroll County dude you can think of <laughs> in the biggest truck with the biggest tires. And he pulled up next to me, this can of Negro, and he looks, he looks out his car. And he sees her side and sees there's vomit all along the side. He looks at her. He looks at me. Looks at her again. Looks back at me. And in that moment, it was the, the most connected I'd ever been to another man in my life. <laughs> and we said nothing. No words. I just looked up at him like the saddest puppy you have ever seen in your And he looked at me with all of this compassion and he looked at me and he went And I gave him And then he gave me the double knot And I drove off and I felt better just for a second until I pulled into the driveway and realized that I now have to spray this vomit out of the car and down my driveway so that my neighbors don't think I'm crazy. Now, my roadies are back at the house. They have already brought the bus back. And so now I got to get her in the house. Well, now she's driveway Jack Johnson. She is kicking my tail. And like I said, she's about 120 pounds. I'm 320 pounds. And she is waxing me. So I'm blocking, and I'm like, come on, baby, please, can we just go in the house? I just, uh. So I finally get her in the house. My boy, he's outside spraying the inside of her car out from the inside with a garden hose just to make it tolerable the next day. I mean, just imagine not being able to see out of the car. You see these dreadlocks? Think about that for a second. Yeah, it was a fun night. So I now have her in the bathtub, stripped down, and I'm washing her like a, well, Labrador. <laughs> I'm holding her down. I'm trying to get it all off of her. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm still covered in this, by the way. And then I remembered that the outfit that she had on was this really nice thing that she spent a lot of money on, so I'm going to be the nice guy, hoping that I get laid another day. <laughs> so I put all the stuff, and I go washing, and I'm taking care of her, and I'm going back and forth, and she's still reaching up and fighting me and all this other stuff, and I get her to the bedroom. I set it up. We all have done this routine before. You put the trash can next to the bed. You get a big glass of water and make sure you got a roll of paper towels. Whatever it is, I got you, babe. I got you. I got you covered. I'm going to go downstairs, and I'm going to hang up your laundry. I washed it in coal. It didn't shrink. Yeah. See? I'm a good man. So I wash it in cold, I hang it up, I come back upstairs, and she is now sitting up in the middle of my bed, and she had thought to reach over, grab my pillowcase, and take the pillow out of it, roll it down, and hold it as a makeshift cloth bucket, and whatever she had left ended up in there. 
And I'm thinking, after everything I've done for you this evening, couldn't you let me have my damn pillow? <laughs> All that to say, sometimes you got to take care of people. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Kelly Bell is just a normal dude with a normal girlfriend. Um, at least I, I had a normal girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm very, very blessed and lucky. And let me just say before I leave, um, this is amazing. I've never done, this is my second time doing storytellers, uh, Stoop Storytellers, and I didn't know anything about it, honestly. And I am the voice of WTMD 89.7, Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And you could sure enough believe that tomorrow I will be talking about this right here. Thank you so much for having me, man. Okay, so Kelly Bell, as you can tell from this story, he is incredibly talented musician, working musician, so he's got gig after gig after and gig. And professional wrestler. Yeah. Um, and such a funny, wonderful character. I loved getting to know him through this situation. And yeah... The woman in the story definitely was not going to have a good day the next day. We don't know if they're still together. He didn't mention that. Oh, they're absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) Was it related to that? I think that was a, uh, yeah, a dalliance. Wasn't a good luck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Well, let's get on here and we will wish you a headache-free and (laughs) vomit-free two weeks until we're back with more stories from the students.